Welcome back, Chiefs Kingdom. This is Locked On Chiefs. We have a great show for you today. Talk turnaround that happened in Washington. Who's back on track? Who played where? And what it means going forward. We're going to get deep into, is this the turning point of this early season? Thanks for being here. This is Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for making us your first listen today. I hope that you'll find another one on the network, maybe the Locked On NFL Draft Show. That's always a good option. We're brought to you by McDonald's of the Golden Arches. We'll talk to you about them in a little bit, but we have a lot going on as we, we get more information and we take a look at what happened yesterday. I feel even more optimistic than I did post-game. It's one thing to get a win, but right now, like there's a number of things that stand out about how they got that and where they're going. This feels like I think it's a turning point for the season. Do you? I think it certainly could be. I have a hard time giving the thought process of a turning point, considering Washington is not a good football team. But uh, I certainly understand where the thought process is coming from. I think the defense looks a lot better. And we'll talk about in the second segment about that a little bit more. But I do think that this is a building block, at least. Yeah, Folks, if you are new to us, whether you're on the YouTube channel, which you should like and sub and do the – bell thing over there i'm ryan tracy the founder of rogue analytics one of the hosts me and chris have been doing this for over five years now he's chris clark an analyst that really has me beat on the cap every year so very important about how this team gets built we end up going through a lot of roster building cap etc because this team doesn't have much space and i know there's a lot of trade deadline talk out there i don't think we're going to get into that today because i don't think the chiefs can do anything do you see anything on the horizon for them trade-wise I can't see anything being done unless they're going to extend somebody because right now they just don't have the money. So if they're going to extend Tyron Matthew or Tyree Kill or somebody like that, then you can make a trade. But otherwise, it's probably not going to happen because right now they have nothing. And they've got to bring another person up that's going to take up more money because Jody Fortson is going to end up on IR, which means they're going to have to bring somebody else up at a different position. Uh, and maybe they get to use on a guy like Kyle Long who's already on the roster. Mm-hmm. I, that's the the eligibility of Kyle Long is one thing. I I'm not sure if they if it's a week for one. They have a three week period to activate him on the pup list. It starts this week since they've been through six games. Right. I don't know that it's a, it's a one for one. I I'm not sure how they feel about the depth there with Blake Bell already hurting. The big thing for me is as I reflected on this, I think I mentioned yesterday. I can't remember if, if I did or not. Um, that Noah Gray had a pretty substantial block down on the goal line that I really enjoyed, and I was good to see him. Uh, do something that I don't think is one of his strengths, but seems to be evolving. Is this the point, because Jody's been so overperforming until this injury, is this a point where maybe we see Noah Gray actually start to get some targets and play a bigger role in the offense? I think it has to be the point. Either that or they're going to have to switch it up to Josh Gordon getting more targets. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he only played, what, 12 snaps against uh, the Washington football team, so that's hard to see. But but again – I always thought it was going to be three or four weeks after he signed before he was really going to get acclimated to this offense. So it doesn't shock me that he didn't get used a ton this week. I think that uh, they have packages for him and he's still getting used to it. So I think that his usage will grow as the season goes on. Uh, but it didn't really shock me that he didn't play that much. And Blake Bell being injured does create question marks because Kansas City likes to have, you know, two or three tight ends on the roster and active during the game every day, every week. And that won't be something they can do right now uh, with Blake Bell hurt and Jody Fortson going to IR. And don't forget, Travis Kelsey is banged up as well. So there's some questions there as well. Yeah, I mean, there's not anyone left really to convert. 
Um, and when I look at the snap counts, uh, it was 11 for Gordon. I certainly think they have to get him more. Like you said, that that ramp up feels like it's coming. Andy Reid did comment that um, they they had more planned. They didn't get to it. It didn't work out that way. You know, sometimes once you get in contact, plans kind of go out the window. I, I certainly situational football changes things. Absolutely. Uh, but Gray did put in, what was it, 38, 46% of the snaps. Gray was on the field. That, that's a pretty good uptick as well, and I'm hoping that that means that he's ready to step up there. And I think if they need to backfield to the practice squad or something like that, if it is long that comes up or whatever it is, um, I know Jarese Fountain is still out there. He has not signed elsewhere. And I, he had some nice words on social media and stuff. Like I think that's, again, a guy that I might think about bringing back that you can get some reps out of. Yeah, it's possible. And the one thing I would say about Gray is I don't think he was slated for as much of a uh, role in that game as he ended up getting because I think they were expecting Fortson to do a lot more things uh, later in the game. And obviously he wasn't available. So you go with what you have. And at that point, I think that when you start looking at the tight end group, you are going to have to try to find another answer. And one of the guys that everybody talked about Kansas City trying to find a way to get was Zach Hurts. He got traded to the Arizona Cardinals uh, this past week. And he really wouldn't have fit cap wise anyway. Yeah. I mean, that would have been a really interesting duo. Um, again, putting the younger guys on kind of pause for their development, but yeah, certainly without having the money to use that that's clearly out the door. I, I wonder if there isn't some acquisition in the future too, depending on, on the length of this injury for Jody Fortson. Um, there are a number of free agent guys that I think are going to be middle tier cost wise. And I think the chiefs have some cap, cleaning up to do this offseason we'll see how much room they have they have a ton of cap room to to figure out this offseason and i think that's going to be probably one of the keys that they're going to be looking at going into this offseason but let us tell you about one of our new friends ryan kind of mentioned this earlier this episode is brought to you this episode of locked up chiefs is brought to you by mcdonald's proudly serving community since 1965 mcdonald's has always been more than just a place to get a tasty affordable food it's a place where friends and family come to reconnect place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have a dependable Wi-Fi, endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's a place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Whether it's Little League games, birthday parties, or grabbing McDonald's after a busy day or when you're late to something and need something delicious and dependable, you need to go to McDonald's. Head over to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say locked on Chiefs watch party at McDonald's? Uh, could <laughs> see that happening. Uh, although, you know, we'll have to see if we can get that going in Kansas City. I'm loving it. This episode is locked is this episode of Locked On Chiefs is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving community since 1965. Can't say enough about McDonald's. I think it's a fantastic place. Uh, and one thing I will say, we didn't get a Big Mac sack yesterday. That's the one thing that really sticks out in my mind when you start talking about the defense. They didn't get a sack, so there is no Big Mac deal at McDonald's in Kansas City. Yeah, you're right. And unfortunately, the lack of, of completion on the pass rush was glaring to me. Like Again, we mentioned yesterday that I felt like they collapsed the pocket pretty well. Um, in terms of a four-man especially, so it wasn't as lopsided, didn't leave escape routes as much. Um, and, and Heineke can take advantage of some of them, but I think in the end, uh, pressure came uh, in places that I think that we've been sorely lacking. The The two guys that got the most pressures yesterday were Jaron Reed and Frank Clark, guys that you need to be the ones 
getting pressure. Now, Turk Morton come up and, and added as well, and even so did Derek Nottie. Uh, and Tyron Matthew was sent on a couple of blitzes as well. But for the first time in a couple of games, it, it wasn't Mike Dana being the only guy getting pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, and Frank Clark should have had a sack. And I, I, I do think that it was pointed out yesterday during the game, he should have had a sack. He didn't get Heineke to the ground. And the question is, is what do you do to get that fixed going forward? Because you absolutely need to have a situation where he gets to the ground and that's uh, a sack, but obviously he missed it in that specific instance. Yeah. And it's one thing to get the pressure. Finishing is another deal. And unfortunately, uh, takes some getting used to. Now, I do want to ask you, like, I felt that Frank looked better than he did a week ago. And looks like maybe he's starting to get his legs back. Did, did you get the same impression or am I, am I dreaming happy thoughts here? No, I thought he looked better. I And he played, what, 80% of the snaps almost? Yeah, uh, I think he was fifth on the defense. 81%, 48 snaps. Yeah, that's impressive for a defensive te- – for, sorry, for a defensive end. Uh, and I did have somebody point out on YouTube, and I will admit I didn't get a chance to go back and look at it. It sounds like Wharton was actually a DT when he got the interception, uh, and it was a stun or a twist that caused him to look like he was the D end. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of that, I just want to throw that out there because somebody else pointed it out. Uh, but regardless of that, I think Frank Clark did look very good, at least at times. But against that defensive line, or sorry, against that offensive line, he should have looked better. And I still don't think he's back from his hamstring injuries. I'm curious whether we will see Frank Clark get healthy this season uh, if he continues to play. Yeah, that's fair. Um, let's see. By my count, it looks like Turk had. Eight had 11 snaps of his 32 uh, that were at end. So roughly. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, maybe that wasn't one of them. And maybe it was the fact that I haven't seen the all 22 yet. So I'm yep. just going off of what I saw on the broadcast. We're still waiting on that as we are this time of year. And that's very frustrating. Right. But I did want to make sure it's still a third of Turk Wharton's snaps came at end. And I think that's a, a good development as well to, to, to yeah. change that rotation up. Yeah, and I think that they kind of have to. They need to get some kind of pressure at that position. And uh, between Mike Dana and Frank Clark and, you know, Okafor's really not getting the pressure that you'd hope that he would get. So that's going to be an issue in getting that pressure. Uh, Kando's not on the roster right now. And, you know, Demone Harris is a practice squad guy that actually I think is out of call-ups now. So I'm really not sure what they're going to do with that position if, if they can't bring him up. Yeah, that's my question as well. And he's been in a couple of good spots. Um, did, did he get snaps yesterday? Yeah, he got snaps. He got seven. Yeah. Um, I think he was a guy who, who's flashed at times and maybe if they're not happy, maybe they do have to make some room there. The, the Kyle long thing that we talked about the first segment, it certainly does like put a kibosh on that. If they feel that he's ready and they want to get him into the mix right away. Um, depending on, uh, Trey Smith's ankle, I'm waiting patiently for an update on that. Uh, I didn't get anything from Andy Reid on it. He did play through the game, but sometimes, especially for offensive linemen, uh, you, when you get that that day of rest, you go in for treatment, all of a sudden everything tightens up. Yeah. Uh, everything becomes more problematic. So maybe no news is goodness. We're going to have to wait and see. But it's the big guys, I think, both trenches that made that game become what it was. And without them, I don't think that they get things corrected. Uh, without them, I don't think – and even Patrick talked about, uh, I think it was halftime, right, that a, a couple of linemen, Orlando Brown in particular, he shouted out for coming over and kind of settling him down and giving him the basis to to make that change. And I felt like for Patrick in particular, after that that 
horrendous decision to throw the ball up that ended up getting turned over. It felt like after that halftime that he kind of settled down. I, I heard some rumors about him talking to the team and everything, whether it was him talking to them or them talking to him, whatever it was, that offensive line helped him, I think, in the second half. And, and I felt like that turned Patrick a little bit back towards what he has been. Am I, am I again, dreaming here? I don't think you're dreaming. I think what is interesting about the way that played is Mahomes has looked like he's been pressing all season. And he finally just looked like he was himself in the second half and he was more loose and able to just go out and play. And if he can go out and play, then you're going to see plays like the across the body throw to Tyree Kill that didn't count. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen it already, go check out Seth's timeline. I think or I'm not sure if Locked on Chiefs retweeted it or not, but go check out Seth's timeline. Curtis Siebold actually has a picture of right as Patrick threw that ball that went to Tyree Kill where Tyree Kill is not even on the screen yet and Patrick's already thrown the ball. And it's 20 yards across the field just to where Hill is going to catch the ball and it's a 30-yard throw. So Hill is extremely fast, which we already knew, but the insanity of that throw becomes even more evident when you see that specific view. And it, it, it's just phenomenal. And when he makes those types of plays, then you get to a point where this team is going to be unbeatable again because, and I, and I say unbeatable, um, but I really do mean that because when he is in that groove and he can go do those types of things, he has the ability to change the game in so many different aspects that other teams just aren't going to be able to defend. Yeah. I, and, and to his credit, you know, there was a lot of open space on that side of the ball. And so allowing himself to make that throw and let Tyree do what he does, yeah. that is another aspect of Patrick maximizing the guys he's throwing to as well. And I, I think that pays off. There's little things that, that you – need to let him do in order for him to maximize the offense. And that's what they have to be doing. And in life, we're all bound for different things. And with Beachbound Vacations, you can be bound for adventure or passion or discovery or just simple togetherness. Bound for immersion or rejuvenation, which is what I just got back from. I had a great vacation as well. And you may be bound for encountering something unexpected. Uh, When I'm usually out on vacation, whether it's a beach resort or somewhere else, I have a tendency to end up at the poolside bar or, you know, in a, in a local restaurant trying something new that I haven't had before. And as long as you have got a good view and a good drink in your hand, you should be happy. I certainly am. With beachbound.com, you can find the perfect vacation for you. Always at a beach, no matter what you're looking for. What are you bound for? Visit beachbound.com today. That's one way, I think, to spend a little money. If you need to save up for a beach vacation, you can do it over at rockauto.com because they have everything that you need. You can put it all in their cart and it will save you time and money up to a hundred percent off of what a chain store is going to do. And they might not even have stock because they're a brick and mortar store. This allows you to do everything online and pull from all their warehouses, no matter what maker make corrected. Rock Auto is a family business. They've been doing it for 20 years. They're super reliable and they're even great at keeping everything priced no matter whether you're a professional or a do-it-yourselfer they make things easy to find from brake parts to tail lamps to oil or even the carpet that you sometimes have to replace because things go wrong in the back seat that does happen uh, all you got to do is go over to rockauto.com right now put all the parts that you need in a cart and then they ask you how did you hear about us if you would write in the locked on in that box that would help us out and let them know that we sent you over there don't miss it amazing selection reliably low parts prices and all the parts that you're ever going to need, check out rockauto.com. So the turnaround for Patrick, I think, was important, but I think the turnaround for the defense was important, too, and a a lot of hubbub about Tyron Matthew. Uh, Had had an interesting altercation with a friend of ours online 
local media that uh, got a little bit out of hand. And I think at the end of the day, I want to see fire from the leadership here. The question is, how does the team respond to it? If, if it works within that locker room and you get an increased performance, better communication, guys doing their job better, I think that that kind of fire is not only important but essential to get a good team going. If you don't have that respect in the locker room and you try that, it has a tendency to backfire. And I think clearly judging by way, in particular the secondary, but the defense as a whole respond in the second half, I feel like that is due to the frustration we saw from Tyron Matthew. Yeah, and I do think Tyron Matthew has a big effect on this defense and the way he plays and the way he leads has a huge effect on this defense. But, you know, the thing that really sticks out to me, uh, don't get me wrong, Tyron Matthew is a very important cog in this defense, but the defense coming together as a whole in the second half, allowing less than 100 yards of, of offense against it and not allowing a single point in the second half says a lot to me. You also look back, this defense has only allowed 20 points in the past six quarters, and seven of those went to the Buffalo Bills, a team that has a fantastic offense. Uh, so I do think that the defense is starting to turn it around. I think Spagnolo has started to find things that have started to work, and I do think that Juan Thornhill starting really helped as well. Yeah, and it, it was very clear to me that Thornhill was the, the salve that they needed for this wound. We've been talking about it forever, so like it wasn't a surprise. But the fact that he went from playing, what, 25 to 44% of the snaps in the last couple of weeks to being out there for every single defensive snap, along with Lajarius Sneed and Rashad Fenton and Tyron Matthew, all of them played 100% of the snaps, and having those core guys able to do that. Uh, and Mike Hill was no slouch. He only missed, what, 12 snaps. Uh, Mike, Hugh, Mike Hughes, not Hill. <laughs> I was wondering um, what you were saying there. Yeah. <laughs> Little, little ahead of myself, but he only missed 12 of, of 60 snaps. So like having those core guys out there, I think as a unit was able to a not have to mix and match and change responsibilities, but, but keep everything a little bit more steady in terms of communication as well. I think it paid off. Yeah, it definitely paid off. And I do think that what you're looking at going forward is you are looking at a defensive unit, especially in the backfield, that is going to get better and better as the season progresses. And I think really what this team was missing at times that they weren't that they were able to do on Sunday was they were able to use Tyron Matthew in the roles that he really feels the best. Uh, because you're not putting a guy like Daniel Sorensen, who's limited in speed in the back end of the defense a lot. Yes, he still ended up back there a few times, which I wasn't happy with, but it didn't seem to burn Kansas City very often. Uh, but using Sorensen in his better role and using Tyron Matthew where he is best is really what is going to help this chief defense take another step forward. And that's also without having a lot of pressure on the front end, which I think you're going to get when Chris Jones comes back from injury. But I am glad they shut him down for a couple of games because that wrist is not going to get better unless he doesn't play. And if he can't hand fight the way he does, he's not going to be effective. We saw that the three weeks after the injury began. Yeah. Uh, you know, and from the snapcats, you can see that, that Juan was not um, at free safety the entire time. Tyron did get, I think it was 17 snaps at free. So they certainly are playing some too high coverages. Um, in fact, Thornhill, and I'm sorry, Matthew said after the game um, that they feel that that's their their best shell is to have two safeties deep, and that's fine. I know it takes away from the robber mentality and, and the things that make Tyron so good by not having him a little closer to the line of scrimmage, but having the two of them with underneath coverage, I think, is the way that this team has to play going forward. It's certainly turned that around, but that's not enough. They have 
more room to go. The thing that is perplexing to me here and the thing that must change next week, and I'm not going to back off of this, Willie Gay got less than half the snaps and less than 45% of the snaps that Ben Neiman got. This is this is a problem in yeah. that they're just taking it too slow with Willie Gay. I guess I will argue the fact that it's, you don't rush him back from an injury if you don't think he's 100%. And maybe he shouldn't be playing at all if you don't think he's 100%. And I guess I could get that argument, but I think that they need him on the field. So to me, it makes more sense to ease him back into playing because he hasn't played in three weeks and ease him in when in games where you probably don't need him near as much as you're going to need him over once you start getting into the second half of the schedule, and which starts with the Packers here in a couple of weeks. Uh, I could see a situation where he is going to be extremely needed against Derrick Henry, and I get that. But again, I wouldn't have expected him to step in and start just because I don't think he was 100% there. Turf toe is something that's going to be managed uh, and could take surgery in a lot of cases. That's what ended up happening with Patrick, and it took him multiple weeks to get over. That's true. Um, I, I think they would have accomplished that if they needed to, though. So, like, this week against the Titans, I expect to see Willie Gay Jr. and Colin Saunders at linebacker. Colin Saunders <laughs> at linebacker. Okay. Well, you go ahead and do that. Uh, I'm going to say no. Please no. Uh, Colin Saunders, while, has, while he has the speed to maybe play linebacker against a, a team when they're trying to play their second unit and save their starters, uh, I don't want to see them him there on a regular basis. My question is, is Anthony Hitchens going to play? If he doesn't play, you need to have Nick Bolton start at middle linebacker and you need him to start and get all the snaps there at practice this week. And if Hitchens doesn't come back for a couple of weeks, I'm not so sure you give him the job back because I think Bolton will take it over. At that point, you may very well be correct. And in the nickel, you you got to play he and Willie Gay together. You have to have the speed because I think Nick showed again some of the, the shortcomings he has. There's a lot of good with Nick Bolton, but covering to the sidelines is not one of them. You have to have someone on there that is better than Ben Neiman doing the same thing, and it's got to be Willie Gay. Well, and, and the bigger problem was is you have that huge play to Ricky Seals-Jones, which should have never happened, uh, but it was the eye, the lack of eye discipline on the defender's part that got it, and Neiman just doesn't have the speed to catch up to him. Yeah, you make a mistake, and that's, that's over with that group. Yeah. And I, I'm only half kidding, like – We'll get into it later in the week about how important it is to stop Derrick Henry. One of those things is to either run a bare front and cover up the A-gaps or put somebody like Saunders in there at times. So knowing that it's a, it's a run fit for him, maybe you can find a way to create a bubble where he can rush from a standing linebacker spot. I think they need to get creative, and I think that they need to not take things off the table right now. This game, I think, might be the most important that we've seen so far. This upcoming game against Tides to take advantage of the role that they got on against the Washington football team. Yeah, and I think that that could be. I do think that this defense is going to get going in the right direction. The question is, is does Chris Jones return this week? If he returns this week, that should help a little bit because it will give you more depth on the defensive line, which should be able to keep your defensive line fresher. And Jones can play defensive end or defensive tackle, and I think he can be effective. The problem that you're going to run into is, is Jones going to play defensive end? Is he going to be effective shutting down his end really is what it comes down to. Is he going to crash down too much like we saw against Baltimore? Ryan Tannehill is not Lamar Jackson. I get that. 
but it's still a question of whether or not he can keep his gaps and he can keep, you know, the runs inside because that's the big thing, especially with a guy like Derrick Henry. You don't want your corners taking a lot of those shots at those ta- at trying to tackle him one on one. Absolutely. We're going to get more into the coming Titans game, folks. Uh, Matt's going to be here tomorrow with me. We'll go over some of the takeaways as as we get from him on the inside of this. And then we're going to turn the page towards those Titans. We have a crossover for you. We have our preview as always. A lot of stuff going on here. Thanks for checking out and being our first listen today. Make sure you check out Peacock and Williamson's as well. Uh, I think you guys will enjoy that and some unique perspective as well. Thanks for being here with us today. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.